listener recently mentioned to me that we empower creative people. I thought that was pretty cool. That was cool. Well, I have always felt that there is a lot of brilliantly creative people in this world, and I'm happy we had the opportunity to share their stories. Uh, Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. And we pretty much have been able to cover just about every creative endeavor you can think of. Well, today's guest is certainly one of those. Yes, she is. Hi, everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Rod Jones, and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice so you can learn and be motivated from their life's experiences. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively. So, Angie, tell us who our guest is today. Okay, our guest today is Jerry Schumacher, and she is the owner of STR Cattle Consulting, and she's also been a cattle rancher for her whole entire life. You know, what I especially like about Jerry is her connection to nature, and I especially like her strong work ethic. Yeah, definitely. So, how about that quote from you today? Okay. And is it going to have a cattle? Is it going to have cattle in it? <laughs> well, yes, it is. And, and the person that is involved in this is very surprising. I think everyone's going to be super surprised by who this is. So, here is the quote for today's episode My dad was the manager at a 45,000 acre ranch, but he owned his own. 1200 acre ranch and I owned four cattle that he gave me when I graduated from grammar school from the eighth grade and those cattle multiplied and he kept track of them for years for me and that was my herd and this is by David Dave Brubeck. I would have never thought that. Right? (laughs) No. You know I I know Dave Brubeck because I've had his Take 5 album ever since as a little kid, right. but I had no clue that he had anything to do with cattle. And guess what? You really did manage to pull in one uh, was a really quote different. related to cattle. <laughs> yeah, from a very surprising person, I must say. Yeah. Well, I was happy to discover this quote by him because it was so unexpected and I found it super interesting. But it really made sense with our episode that we have today. So let's bring on our guest, Jerry Schumacher, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the Thought Row Podcast. I suspect this is going to be incredibly fun and interesting to chat with you. Yes. Hi, Jerry. Interviewing a guest from the cattle industry is bound to be interesting. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, it's great to be here. It's a pleasure. Anytime I can talk about my passion, you've just made my day. You know, it's kind of a typical typical day for me. Uh, so, like I said, really excited to do this, to have the opportunity to speak about my industry. Well, we're happy to have yes, you. Yes, thank you so much. So, why don't you give her our infamous first question? Yeah, okay. So, Jerry, before we start the interview, we always ask everyone what they had for breakfast. So, what did you have this morning? Well, you know, my world does not get real exciting when it comes to breakfast. I'm not a huge <laughs> breakfast eater, so I usually grab a can of V8, maybe a handful of nuts or banana, and walk out the door. Something to get things going and started, but now 
I love breakfast. I'll eat it any other time of the day, but just not a breakfast eater. Hey, I understand. You got you got to get going and you want to be fast. Why not? That sounds good, though. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, healthy. All <laughs> snacks. Healthy. I like it. Gives you energy. <laughs> It does. Yeah. So, Jerry, where are you originally from and where did you grow up? I'm from Hayes, Kansas, kind of northwest central Kansas is where we're located. I manage our family farm and ranch. I've done that my entire life. And then I also have my cattle consulting services, which is STR Cattle Consulting and Services. So, you know, I never left the farm, born and raised this way. I've been doing the cattle and the, and the farming my entire life. And it's, it's just dad and myself. He'll be 90 July 3rd, and he is still out working. So, you know, just blessed, yeah, just blessed with good genes. And, you know, he loves what he does. He says it's not work, so, and he doesn't have hobbies. He says what we do is his hobby. So, you know, that's kind of my origins. We um, have always had purebred registered cattle, you know, so Mm -hmm. actually two breeds, Red Eggs and Charlay, and then, We've also had a commercial herd, which would be non-registered cattle. So that has been my job my entire life is to manage that family farm and ranch. Wow. You're so lucky you get to work with your dad. That's so neat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I suspect he probably taught you an awful lot about the cattle industry. (laughs) You know, I joke about that a little bit. I always say my dad taught me a lot and he taught me just as much not to do. And, you know, what yeah. I mean by that is not that he taught me bad things. It's just a matter of, you know, as time progresses, we change things. We go, you know, with innovations, new ideas and that kind of deal. But no, most definitely he gave me that basis. You know, my dad is a man of integrity and hard work and determination and pride in what we do. And those have been instilled in me from the day I was born, literally old enough to to use any of, you know, those fine points in my life. I mean, it's just, just been a part of who we are. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so wonderful to hear that because, you know, family values and a work ethic like that, it really like, it goes so far in not only your lives, but also the people that, you know, you affect with the cattle that you're raising as well. People that know her. Yeah, know and the people that your, know your, your family, you know, everybody. They probably have tremendous respect for you guys. Mm-hmm. We try hard. You know, we, you know, my dad, he's taught me, you know, like you said, many things. And there's three things that he's kind of instilled in me and that I live by. Mm-hmm. Two of them might be a little irrelevant to folks that are not in our industry, but one of them is very relevant to my life. And the one of them is never lie in the bullpen. I try not to lie, period. Mm -hmm. Number two, never knock another man's breed. You know, the breeds were all developed for a reason. They work in different ranches and different places for a reason. But the third one that I truly live my life by, and he still calls me his little girl, and he says, little girl, he says, you're not better than anybody else, but nobody else is better than you. And I wholeheartedly believe that. I live by that kind of my motto. So, you know, that's just kind of what dad has instilled in me. You know, what my growing up has instilled in me that is so fabulous i love what he said to you and it because it's so impactful Mm -hmm. for a little girl to hear that from her dad well little girls and their dads have a kind of a special relationship you really do girl looks (laughs) to the dad yeah it looks to the like our daughter to me yeah exactly exactly i understand well growing up in a ranch like you did and being inspired by your father all the time, you must have a favorite childhood memory. What would that be? You know, with my dad, since we have worked side by side, like I said, my entire life, I started 
on a Shetland pony at four years old and was in the pastures following him on his big horse already at six years old, going around at cattle and going to work cattle. So, you know, I don't have a favorite memory. I've just got so many. It's that time, you know, that we've spent horseback, you know, our two mm-hmm. old mares. We, we've got a monument in our pasture. People ask, what in the world is that? And we tell them we had two great mares that were only about five years apart in age. Mm-hmm. And my dad, he retired his at 32 and mine was 26. And when, when their time was done, there is actually a monument in our pasture of where those two mares are. So, you know, it's, like I said, it's just such a broadcast of memories. And, you know, sitting in the tractor talking, deciding what we're going to maybe plant in the field or, you know, me educating him on what I think we need to change in our cow herd. Those are all huge memories for me. Just being able to verbalize that with my dad. Oh, I can imagine because he respects your opinion. Also, Mm -hmm. you might have maybe uh, more contemporary thoughts and ideas. I'm sure you read a lot Mm -hmm. about your industry and you stay attuned to everything that's going on. So you two could have quite the chat, I suspect. I bet. bet. Right, right. Yes, we sure can. Well, you know, um, what's going on in your life right now? Well, you know, right now, uh, you know, it's like I told you, born and raised in the farming ranching industry. So we're, we've been done calving. And so now it's a matter of getting the cows out to pasture, making our decisions and choices on what bull, what bull we're going to utilize for our next set of genetics, what bull I'm even, you know, whether it's a walking herd sire, you know, for those folks that don't understand this industry, a walking herd sire is a bull that is physically in the pasture, mm-hmm. breeding the cows. Mm-hmm. You know, then there's also embryo transplant work, AI uh, work, and, you know, that's a matter of finding those genetics that you know is going to complement your herd and improve improve your herd. So you're doing all of that. You know, fence fixing is already done. Now it's a matter of waiting for the first cutting of alfalfa to grow. You know, right now, today, I'm sitting at the computer for a little bit, mm-hmm. actually, while I was waiting for this. And um, I've, I've got to go on the road on Saturday and go look for a bull for um, a ranch. So I was kind of going through the paperwork and fine-tuning and seeing which ones might be the proper fit for that ranch. Just out of curiosity, how do you determine the genetics? I mean, is there, is it more scientific? How do you do that? Observation? Well, all of it. Absolutely every single bit of it. First and foremost for me is actual phenotype of the animal. That's actual confirmation bone structure of that animal, you know, and before any of that starts, you know, and this kind of gets into the area of consulting, you know, you have to have that conversation with folks. You have to find out what's their goals, what their end game plan is, how are they going to market those cattle. So before I even go to look for a bull, we got, I've got to first find out what is their program. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, then I go into the actual confirmation of the animal. I go back uh, genetically, multiple generations. You know, when I compare the, the performance data on these animals, which would be birth weight, weaning weight, yearling weight, carcass traits. You know, so I go back generations and find accuracies to try to find the proper cow family and fit. And, you know, there's just so many broad aspects of it, you know, so it's not just cookie cutter. And matter of fact, that's probably one of my favorite sayings. The cattle industry is not cookie cutter. Mm -hmm, What works for me does not work for you, you know. So that's kind of where it starts. And then it's a matter of actually laying my eyes on the animals and fine tuning that way. Well, but that's kind of how the process starts. That's uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, there's so it's, many different aspects of it. Like you not only look at it genetically, but also does it fit the person that you're, you know, that potentially will purchase the the bull. So that's very interesting. Correct. You have you to know, do terrain that. makes a big difference. 
Yeah. I mean, terrain alone makes a big difference. You know, what kind of land are these bulls going to have to travel? You know, are you, are you on soft, small pastures or are, or are you on big, rangy, rocky pastures? You know, all of that for me factors in. I factor in every single bit of that to try to find the best possible fit See, I, for that ranch. I know nothing about this, but I'm, I'm just like, wow, you even take into account the terrain that they're on, which is interesting. Yes. I understand it to yeah. some degree because spending the yeah. summers on my grandfather's farm, yeah. so, but not at that level. You know, Jerry, needless to say, you live a very interesting life that most people, they're never going to have the opportunity to do what you do. I would love, we would love to know, what is. give us a day in the life of Jerry. What happens when you get up okay. in the morning and tell you lay your head on your pillow at night and say your prayers? Okay, okay. And you nailed it right there. The first thing I do is, I have my faith. I am grateful. I, I say thanks for starting my day. I usually get up and scan the area news, uh, national news. I don't live my life on a political aspect. I don't probably not worrisome about that type of deal. I just try to keep current in news. And then, of course, then I hit, hit my trade. I go and I find the articles, the new articles that have came out, do a little bit of research. And then I walk out the door. I don't, I'm not a big sleeper. So my day starts very early always out at daylight and just depending upon the time of the year, you know, my day to day verbatim was walk out that door. We still have a few head of cows here at home. So I ran that feed truck. Then I sorted a set of cows that are still left here to go out to pasture. We're still waiting on some rain. So cautiously putting cattle out. Then I came in and I made something for supper tonight and worked on, you know, like I told you some matings and, you know, not only finding that, genetic mating for those folks. I've got to make it fit into their budget, which is a huge deal. And then after we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go back outside. I'm going to deliver some salt and mineral. I'm going to double check some fence. And then I'm going to go down and help my dad finish up. Uh, We needed to put a new shaft on the disc. And then I'm going to go help him do that. So my days are always full. My days are always packed. I always tease everybody and say this farm and ranch is my gym. I definitely... Definitely get uh, the physicality part of my life taken care of just by the work that I love. Well, sure. There's a lot of extra. How do you get around the ranch itself? How do you, do you ride a horse? Do you have a quad? How do you get around? You know, for me, um, our ranch, the way it's set up, I walk most of it. Uh, you know, it's like I told you, when I say this place is my gym, I literally mean that. We do use ATVs or quads. Um, I haven't had a horse for about five years. Oh, okay. I had to retire Another, you know, I've had many mm-hmm. good horses, but had to retire another one and ended up uh, tearing out an ACL completely. And so to find that perfect next horse just hasn't happened. Will I own a horse again? Yes. But, you know, most of what I do is either by fit, by pickup or for some sort of ATV. Mm, okay. Well, that makes sense. It makes it a little easier, but also it's hard to find a horse. It's not like you just go, I just take that one. You, you, it's, it's a relationship. You have to connect, I know. sure. Yeah, you yep. have to connect. Yep. It's about as hard as finding that right bull, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm old enough. I can't afford to hit the ground, you know. So Gosh, no. To find one that it's actually, you know, good with cattle, that, that's a good cattle horse and has the right disposition, you know, something that I can trust. And, you know, and that's probably the biggest obstacle. I did have a horse that I purchased in that time frame. Just could never, could never, we never bonded. And, you know, that's something that I'm sure we'll probably cover yet today where mm-hmm. that passion comes in with what I do, that, that tie to an animal. And, you know, 
I don't bond with every animal. Uh, and this particular horse, good. Uh, I don't solid, think any of us do. Was, yeah, I don't think we yeah. bond with certain pets. <laughs> you so know. Others, yeah, exactly. others are like your child, and then there's others that you're just like, oh, they're really nice, but you don't really yep. connect. Yeah, yep, exactly. understand. And horses, I suspect, are even stronger because oh, yeah. they're a very intelligent animal, too. Right, right. So they know if you're being good or bad. They could reject you just as easy as you could reject them. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the biggest deal is that trust. And that's where that bond comes in. You have to trust that that horse is solid and safe. That horse has got to trust that you're not going to, you know, hurt that animal, take them into a place that's threatening for their life sure. or being too strong handed on that bit, you know, so mm-hmm. it goes, it just runs really, really deep. So for me to just to jump into a horse, to have one again, because I've literally had a horse my entire life. Oh, this last five years is the first time in my time frame that I have not been on horseback at least three times a day, a week. Wow. You know? That's, so, a, that's yeah. a long time to so, be horseback. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, when we were talking to you earlier, when we had our initial interview, you had mentioned you were an RFD TV. And yes. I know Rod and I, we have watched that on and off over the years and just loved seeing all of the different interviews and things like that they have. How was that like being interviewed by them for you? Well, I'll tell you what, it was it was exciting, first of all, when they contacted me. Mm-hmm. They said they found me on social media and they went to my website and liked the content. And that is something that if anybody goes to any of my social media pages, it is it's going to be saturated with cattle. That is my passion. That's what I do. Right. And I always like to put a little bit of insight, you know, into what I post. There will be times where I don't post very long, very often, and that's fine too. And then there's times I'll post every day. It's when I feel that passion. So for them to find me and think that, you know, that what I do was something that would make a good episode, that was just great in itself. I oh, mean, I it, bet. <laughs> I couldn't have, yeah, couldn't have been more pleased on that particular episode it was set up as an interview format and um, I did not know any questions in advance and we sat down and camera rolling and they asked the questions and you know for me it wasn't difficult or hard at all because when I talk about my occupation it's my passion it's passion driven heart driven and so it really I didn't struggle with it at all and I was very pleased how the episode ended up Oh, great. That's great. Well, we'll, we'll have a link to it so people will be able to see it from our Absolutely. website. Absolutely. And, yeah. and also your website. It'll be on the show yeah. guest page. Yeah, that's, so. that's great because that full episode is on a link on my uh, website. So okay. you can great. watch Perfect. Perfect. exactly Perfect. like what you would have watched. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what you would see on TV is the exact link that is on my website. Excellent. Okay, great. So, Jerry, why don't you tell us about your cattle consulting business? You just touched on it briefly, and I don't think there's, I don't know, maybe there are a lot of them, but I don't know how many women cattle consultants there are. Yeah, that seems kind of... Right. Well, you know, I've always said I've always got to sell myself before I can sell, you know, bulls or anything else, and I don't mean that in a negative light at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I am at the age when I grew up, it, it was a more male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad now, but there are still areas and small towns that it still is. So the cattle consulting service, how it actually kind of started, it'll be four years in June that I only started it. But I've been in that bullpen my entire life. I started at 17, and I'm over 50. We'll, we'll say that I'm over 50. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I learned all of that experience in there. I helped build this 
program with my dad. It has been my entire program on our ranch since 1999. And I was having folks already call me, you know, like they'd come in my bullpen and they'd say, Jerry, show me your best bull. And, you know, for me, that's not relevant. What's my best bull, what I think is the best bull might not be the best bull for them. You know, so then it's not just selling a bull to make a profit. I would teach them what bull had what qualities or traits that would be advantageous. We'd have those conversations, like I said earlier, find out what their program is. Are they going to be selling their calves right off of the cow? Are they going to wean them and background them? Are they going to retain ownership as they go to the feed yard? You know, all of those different aspects is huge on which bull to select. You know, of course, anything that we sell or anything that I pick up uh, for people needs to have relevance all the way from the moment it's born until it hits the rail and goes into the food chain. When the day is done, that is what beef is. It's the most natural protein source available. One of the best fortified things that you can eat for mm. your body. You know, so, you know, with, with no, having no cattle as well as I did just for our ranch and then people calling me, I was, I was literally getting phone calls easily, especially during bull season or calving season every other day or once a month or twice a month or they'd ask my ask me questions and i was already at the point where if i go to a sale looking for a bull or a female for myself people would say if you're going let me know what you saw and so then that's when i decided you know what i've been doing this forever i have complete faith in my knowledge i know what has worked for me i know what has worked for folks that i've helped why not make it a cattle consulting service and that's literally why and how it started. It's, you know, I call my service STR Cattle Consulting and Services, and people try to figure out what the STR is. It's not my initials. And then when I tell them, they see why it would make sense. Our ranch is named Shoemaker Trust Ranch. And oh, okay. since this ranch helped to give me this knowledge base, I thought it was fitting and kind of keep it in the family, you know, Keep that going. Sure, to use for sure. First letter, you know, it's it's the initials of each word. Well, that makes total and that's how sense. How the name came about. That makes total yeah. sense for you to do that. But you know what? There's something about this that really is the most interesting part is is taking the pieces of you know you're already dealing with the bulls and turning it into a consulting business. That to me is super creative. And super on, especially as a woman in that industry, I think that that that's so important that you did that. Right. You right. Know? And yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and we do touch that aspect. Yeah. Well, part of that is because you've been in, immersed in it your whole life. So that would mm -hmm. make you extremely knowledgeable in that area. If somebody is rel relatively new to ranching, they probably would not know exactly. Yeah, they wouldn't know what to pick. They wouldn't and know what to pick. They have five years experience and you have 30 years experience or whatever. You right, just, there's right. no There's no substitute for experience mm -hmm. in the, in, as you would say, in the bullpen, right? Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. And, you know, and that is what I tell them. You know, the knowledge that I have, it is passion-driven. I'll say that again. I'll say it 50 times mm -hmm. in every every other sentence that I speak. And, you know, with it being passion driven and caring what the end result is, and I love to help people. I don't care if you're a hobbyist, 
and you have one or two and you want to raise your own beef and mm-hmm. you need assistance, or if you've got five head and you want to raise the baby, or if you've got a thousand head. For me, I don't care how many head that's not has no relevance for me. It's what I can do to help you to make it easier to not make the mistakes that I've learned through trial and error. Sure. You know what? You just you, what you, I've learned. Jerry, you just set me up set up the next question. <laughs> uh, <Okay. laughs> and that is what is what is the largest cattle ranch you've consulted for and what is the smallest? The largest has been right at the thousand head mark and the smallest has been two. Oh, okay. Literally, that's quite a yeah, spread. yeah, yeah, and and that's just because you know the consulting isn't just picking out bulls or picking out females. I mean, it's herd improvement. It's I've got folks, and that is the beauty of a cell phone. I have got folks that will call me horseback in their pasture, have a question, have a crisis, don't know what to do, and they'll call me. And it doesn't matter if I'm in a tractor, if I'm sitting in the office, or if I'm on, you know out on an ATV or something, I can help you. I call it troubleshooting and, uh, you know, help him in that regard. So there's a lot of different aspects to my consulting, not just buying bulls. You know what? That's uh, both engineer marketing consultants and the way you handle your consultancy. And yes, a cell phone is very useful yeah, in our industry. Yeah, tied to the desk all the time. But and, I have yet waiting. to take a consulting <laughs> call on top of a horse. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool. But, well, you know, it's just a second nature. You know, I mean, it's what better place to answer a question about cattle than on top of the horse or, you know, in the pasture. Well, yeah, because you could start out by saying, hey, you know what? I'm glad you called. I'm just sitting here mm-hmm. right now, you know, moving a couple <laughs> of cows back into a pen or whatever you do. And, yeah, exactly. it's, they're, they're, exactly. you're interactive with them. Mm-hmm. In fact, you could even turn on your cell phone camera and say, see? Look at, yeah, look at the, the yep. beautiful balls. <laughs> I've FaceTime. done that before. <laughs> FaceTime, cow time, actually. Cow time. Exactly. Well, you know, I I always think of cattle ranchers primarily being in Texas, but I also know there are quite a few in Kansas because you're in Kansas. Generally speaking, where are the cattle ranches in the United States? You know, truthfully, the answer would be across the United States. You know, yes, Texas is a bigger area. Kansas has got quite a few. Nebraska, you know, there are the more cattle dominated states, you know, some states like Iowa is a little bit more, you know, uh, crop belt, that type of deal. Mm-hmm. But there are cattle ranches all across the United States. You know, when we say, when we say a ranch, you know, a ranch doesn't specify head counts or acres. You know, if you've got 50 head of cows and mm-hmm. it's your home place and that's where you handle those cattle, that's your ranch, you know, so they're literally populated all over, you know, kind of considered a ranch, maybe around the hundred head mark, but in my eyes, if you own cattle and, you know, especially if it is a significant part of your income, mm-hmm. you know, nowadays there are many folks that, you know, can't live just off of a farming, ranching oper- operation, you know, so right. they're just even able to try to fall, uh, afford insurance. So, you know, it may be a big chunk of their income, but they've got a second job. So, you know, for me, you make a living on it, it's a ranch. Okay, that, well, that I, makes I think, sense. And also, I think in your situation, being a consultant is probably a very huge benefit, not only for yourself, but also for the people that you consult with. Do you ever consult with cattle ranchers that are in other parts of the world? I have not literally out of the U.S., but I was part of a uh, group of us, there's four of us, 
that went with the Kansas Department of Agriculture, we went to Uruguay, and we went there to promote Kansas genetics. Mm -hmm. And then I also went there to promote my cattle consulting service. The Kansas Department of Agriculture has also had many tours from folks that do come abroad, and they come and tour like my ranch and other ranches around the area too, and to promote their genetics, vice versa. There, there's a lot of semen sold overseas, and there's a lot of semen overseas semen that comes to the States. But have I literally, you know, had one as a client? No. I've had phone calls where, you know, we, we talk cattle back and forth and that kind of deal. But my work has been pretty well in the States. Well, Not that I, it can't go overseas, but at no. this point it's been in the States. Well, there's plenty in the United States. Yeah, there is. There's a yeah. <laughs> ton of people. Yeah. For sure. Well, I know we were talking earlier about how you support women in agriculture and especially ran- yes. ranching. Tell us about your involvement in promoting that for women. I've always been a huge advocate uh, for women in the industry just because of the lifestyle I have led for having to prove myself. You know, one of my favorite stories. And before I go any further, mm-hmm. I have this for me, this is not man versus woman, not in any way, shape or form. But my experience that I've, you know, that I have had, you know, my name is Jared. If you don't know me or have seen how my name is spelled, you know, a lot of guys would come and they'd come to the house. And, you know, especially when I was, you know, in my younger years, they'd ask mom if there's somebody to show them the bull. And, you know, my favorite story is when I'd walk out that door and those big old guys would have that grin on the face. You could kind of hear them snickering. It's like, you know, for me, it was, hey, boys, let's go play. You know, a woman in the industry, like I said, it's not for me, it's not gender related. It's. Know yourself, have confidence in yourself, and you better know what you're talking about, and mm-hmm. you better be able to back it up. So that's, you know, so for me, it's more a matter, uh, a matter of going and, you know, giving some speeches and stuff to some sororities I've, been gone, I've gone to, and they've, people have asked me to come to women's groups and universities and stuff, and, you know, that's my preface. It's not, you know man-woman. It's right. you find your confidence in yourself and then you can stand in that world that may be a little bit more male-dominated and you can earn that respect. I had somebody, you know, through the summer ask me, they had brought some interns into town and mm-hmm. they asked me to come and eat dinner with them. There were six of them and they said, Jerry, you explain to them how, how do men allow you to go by their bulls? And then once again, I said, it's not man, it's not versus woman. I've gained their confidence. I gained, I've gained people's confidence you know, in the fact that I can help them out. So, um, you know, also in the aspect of women in ag, you know, I'm going to promote them as much as I can, you know. And, uh, you know, like I said, mainly just preach, be confident in yourself. That's how you're a woman in the ag industry. So just know your stuff and be a professional in in it, it wins out Correct. overall. Cool. Uh, well, knowing your stuff, Absolutely. everybody, your stuff. I, most people, I mean, I know there's people that, are, that will take it the wrong way. But if you really know what you're talking about, people will listen yes. and they will understand yeah. that you know what you're talking about. And unless they're foolish, they're going to embrace that knowledge and see how they can adapt it to their own programs or their own life. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, you know, I've, it, there's a very easy way where people have kind of started to get that confidence in me. And it's simply we go back to the bullpen during bull sale time, you know, in our area. That's tip, well, across the state. That's typically starting around the middle of January to about the bottom of April. And, you know, I've been a sale consultant for some very elite Charlene Red Angus breeders in our area. 
And I always go up and look at those cattle before and uh, before the sale and when they're at the barns. And whether I know somebody or not, if they're in those pens and they're looking at some bulls, first thing I do is go over and introduce myself and, uh, you know, kind of explain why I'm there. And nine out of ten, they'll see me studying those bulls, studying my book, and they'll start asking questions. And that's how that confidence builds. Yeah, you know, because you know your stuff. Available. <laughs> because because yeah, you, yeah, know you know what you're, you're talking, talking about. about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try. I try. <laughs> well, you know, pursuing any kind of career, especially one that depends upon self-motivation, and you don't seem to be lacking that no, at all. Not at all. Uh, but I am curious how you handle it when you just don't have the energy to take on the day. I th- everybody has that experience. Well, also, your job is very physical, yeah. too. Yeah, it's very physical, very mental. Um, people don't really ask, really understand the the mental aspect of what we do. You know, for me, it, it kind of goes back to those posts on social media. One of my favorite ones that just kind of sticks out is going to kind of explain mm-hmm. how I do that. I was out in the pasture checking cows on an early morning. We were calving, and it was a damp morning, and there was this little red Angus bull calf just staring at me, and he just, it, it was just a picture shot. And, and here's here's what I or how I stated it and how I posted it and I'll, I'll read that real briefly. Sure, sure. The, the eerie green bark on a dim lit day gives way to the serene quietness amongst the trees. The soft copper coat he wears is dampened by the morning showers. As his curiosity is quenched, he bounds to the safety of the trees while Mama is quietly tucked away, waiting and watching. And I finish that post by saying, "This is just a look into what gives me peace." The stillness and the quietness helps me find my calm. So for me, it's nature. It's the passion with what I do. You know, I sat there and you take the time and you just kind of pull your thoughts together. And that's what motivates me. That's what motivates me. Or, you know, besides that little quiet, calm moment, you know, my mind goes all day long Uh I wish it would sometimes quiet, but it doesn't. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so then to motivate myself is I sit there and I think about the folks, not maybe who I'm going to help, but how I've helped these people, how they call and they say, Jerry, you know, what you've done is showing you got our first set of calves out of that bull. I can't believe how you've turned this around. Now, if that's not motivation on a slow day, then I don't know what is. No, of course. It's yes. a, it's proof that you know what you're doing and it's very satisfactory or satisfying. Satisfying. In, yeah. Yes. To, <laughs> to have somebody, you know, say, hey, you, you really did a great job for me and I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when you just read your post that you did on social media, you can tell that mm-hmm. you really love to write. And I know that when we've talked earlier and during our interview, you have such a great sense of humor, but you have such a keen understanding of nature because you're just so entrenched in it every day. When, when you're dealing with uh, beings like that, you know, with the, the cattle and animals, you have such a dependence on nature as well. Yeah. How is that for you every day? I mean, do you get touched by it every single day of your life because you're so involved in it? Well, she has to be aware of grasslands, weather. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Every single day of my life is entrenched in this. It is. I can't. What I do whether it be on the ranch and on, on our own cattle mm-hmm. or through the consulting and helping folks, it is who I am. Yeah. It, 
it is what makes what I do so important. You know, nature affects me not only spiritually and in a passionate way, but, you know, what we have to contend with just weather-wise. You know, you talk about nature. You know, at the beginning of this podcast, I said, you know, that I was putting out some cows. I'm literally trickling out cows. And what I mean by that is we've been where we're at. It is extremely dry. We are in drought. Mm. The temperatures have been cool. They haven't been, you know, if we were getting a little bit of warm days, the nights are so cool and the grass is not growing. So, you know, the grass was short when we left in the fall. We haven't had moisture, didn't have much, next no moisture through the winter. Mm. And, you know, so now it's like, how how do we make this work? You know, we're running out of feed. We're running out of our feed sources because we had to feed way longer than anticipated. You know, so you trickle and you worry about that. Wildfires have taken a lot, a lot of acres and uh, people lost homes and cattle. You know, we can try to second guess all we want. But when the day is then, Mother Nature rules our world. She rules what we do. And when Mother Nature and Father Time are not in sync, it's a struggle. You know, when so many folks hear those blizzards are coming and it's minus 34 degrees, Mm -hmm. schools are shutting down, businesses are shutting down. And I can guarantee you, as sure as I am talking to you today, we are out there longer in those inclement conditions than on a good day. You know, we're stewards of the land. We are caretakers of the animals we own. We, We skip meals. We miss family functions. We work late hours. We get the calls in the middle of the night to take care of these animals, but we do it because we love what we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think folks kind of forget that how much weather affects us financially, but affects us physically and mentally as well. You know, what's what's really also interesting is people that are city dwellers, people that live in cities mm-hmm. or even large communities that are away from any rural area, they they go, oh, well, the weather doesn't bother us. It's raining outside. I'll be inside all day at my computer, whatever. But actually, the weather is impacting them because it's their food supply. And a lot of times people exactly. don't really understand that. And they don't necessarily understand what it takes to get food to their table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think for most, exactly. nowadays, most people don't really have a clue. No, they really don't. And no. You know, and we were talking about it earlier today because I think Rod was reading an article because of all the things that were going on with the food processing plants and the grocery stores. Mm -hmm. And it was Mm -hmm. like, I think most of people that go to a grocery store have no idea what it takes to get that food there. Like they have no clue. Or the people people behind it. I mean, the people that like what Jerry does all day long. Uh, every day of her life. And like she was talking about, you're out there when it's like minus 30 degrees or if it's raining, yep. hopefully if yep. it's raining, I guess. Yeah, yep. it's yeah, you're praying yeah, for exactly. rain at this point. But yeah, these, yeah, these kinds of for, things. Yeah. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. You know, praying for rain and you know, then we go to the other end of it not raining. And then we go through just the, all, all in the same year, we can go from mm-hmm. lizards burying cattle to floods taking away everything that we've got all in the same year. It can happen all in the same, you know, two seasons. And, you know, I think people just, I just, I wish if everybody just one time in their life would stop when they grab that pack of hamburger to go throw in the grill or that steak mm-hmm. or go buy that prime choice steak in a restaurant would just stop and think where that came from. How, 
how did we get to eat that? How, you know, how right. is that made? And that, you know, but folks don't. And I wish just one time in everybody's life, just once they would sit and do that and then go one step further, go to us in this industry and ask us why, how, you know, how did, how did, you know, people don't even quite understand unless they worry about select steaks or mm-hmm. prime choice steaks, you know, what it takes to get there. You know, different genetics produce different types of meat. You know, some mm-hmm. are select, which are going to be leaner. You know, folks kind of worry about eating too much, you know, protein that it might not be good for them. But, you know, in all reality, if we would educate them or they would educate themselves and realize grass-fed beef is extremely lean, you know, eight eaten in the proper proportions it is one of the healthiest things that you can eat you know we grain feed we do that because that adds tenderness and uh, taste to the meat you know and if people would just one time in their life just take the time and stop and think and ask i think it would make a big difference well one of the things that most people don't realize or think about is the evolution of man. Man would have never survived uh-huh. had it not been for the protein that he derived from meat. And that's what actually Correct. helped our brains form. Mm-hmm. Uh, without that mm-hmm. protein from meat, I mean, obviously, it was they had it much better when they invented fire. <laughs> but prior well, to yeah. that, right. grilling was good. Grill, once yeah, they started grilling, grilling it became much more interesting. Yeah. And the other thing I, I think, and I don't want to get too political about this, but one of the things that I always find really interesting is people will pick up a piece of meat in a market and they'll go, gosh, this is expensive. And then immediately they want to blame the cattle, the guy, who's ra- the guy or woman who's raising the cows, but that oh, isn't exactly. what's happening. It's but, all but the also, middle people. <laughs> but what also gets me is they'll complain about how much meat is, which, you know, takes a lot of process, but they'll, then they'll go get a six pack of soda and a, a, a bag of chips, and that's going to cost mm-hmm. a ton of money too, but you're not really getting anything you're from You're not getting that. any nutrition from yeah, it. You're not getting exactly. any nutrition. So, and, yeah. you know, if you take it and you put a completely different twist to it, which is really something people don't comprehend, you know, cattle are not just utilized as the best protein source. It is that the byproducts in, is in most everything else utilized. Mm-hmm. It's in plastics, pharmaceuticals, glues, of course, any leathers, shoes, makeup. The list is just huge and long, but the byproducts of meat, or I mean of beef, where that's actually utilized. And we don't get paid for any of that. We get uh-huh. paid for what hangs on the rail, the amount of, you know, weight in meat, you know, sure. however, what that carcass yields, you know, but we don't get paid for where those byproducts go. And people don't even think about that. And, you know, like I said, if people would just stop and ask and talk just a half an hour with somebody who wants to educate them, mm-hmm. you know, I think it would make such a big difference how people kind of look at it and, and realize there is that middleman in between. You know, we get paid by the pound and then we get paid on quality and we get, and, you know, pound is also the yield and that's what we get paid on. But everything else we do not get paid for. That is so interesting. Yeah, we don't. We wouldn't know that as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Well, I, did, I, mean, exactly. I mean, you never really think about it, but when you sell a cow, it's, just, that's you, it's it. by the weight. Yeah. It's by the weight. And then what happens yep. to that cow afterwards and all the ancillary uses? I guess as a rancher, yep. you never, you, you know, know about it, but you never benefit from it. No. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Interesting. Very interesting. 
Well, I think, you know what, we're coming to the end of our show because we're starting to run out of time. So I'm going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, and that is if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be, Jerry? Well, that might be a little interesting, maybe a little bit different than how people look at it, but it wouldn't be a person and it wouldn't be a park bench. I would throw out that old tattered quilt that we've used years and years and years that made them a grandma made. And... I would love to speak with a group of women who were living through World War I and World War II when their, their husbands, their brothers, their fathers, you know, went off to war. The ag industry didn't stop. These women were trained and taught how to run equipment and, and machinery and how to harvest, you know, the crops. And you want to talk about women in ag. And how you deal with being a woman in ag. And, you know, and at that time frame, that was not the normal. And we, we became very relevant through that time frame and actually were paid the same wages as, you know, um, men that were working in the same occupation. And that was just, that wasn't even heard of back then. Mm-hmm. So I think that those women back in that time frame stepped up to the plate and kept the ag industry going. I think that would be a phenomenal conversation to have. Yeah, most people don't realize that, so. but the wow. men went off to war, and the women, yeah. they took over running the ranch. They mm-hmm. had to drive the trackers, uh, pitch hay, yep. do all those other things, and then we can't Correct. leave out Rosie the Riveter. You know, she, right. she gets some right. credit there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then when the men came back, the women started making apple pies. I mean, what, a lot they, changed. Exactly. They went back to their traditional and, you know, roles. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and not only that. They were still doing their traditional roles, roles, you know, roles while doing all that. You know, no different than me. I can come in and make the best apple pie, and then I can go out and produce the beef that's going to give you prime rib steak when you go to a restaurant. And for me, that's what a woman in ag is. That's that is how I look at a woman in ag. Wow. What a great answer. Thank you for that. Yeah. Plus, I'm hungry for apple pie right now. I know. And your apple pie sounds <laughs> really good. <laughs> we would like it. <laughs> Well, Jerry, this has especially been a great episode. This is so contrary to the people that we typically interview. Right. And we are so right. glad. I'm so glad I found you on LinkedIn. I have one thing in common with uh, hmm. HGTV or whatever it was. Oh, RFDTV. RFTV. Yeah. RFDTV. One thing in common, yeah. we both, we yeah. both <laughs> found you there. And I'm so glad we did because you've been so interesting and so inspiring, very inspirational. I really appreciate you being I on thank our you. podcast. Yeah. You know? yes. Well, like I said, I thank you. You know, you did find me. You did feel like my story was worth airing. And I appreciate that. You know, say, I'm going to say the same thing I did when I started. Heart-driven, passion-driven. And that is who I am. And like I said, I greatly, greatly appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of insight. Well, our, um, listeners know, gonna, our listeners are going to really enjoy think, what you yeah, have Yeah, your message of, thank you. of just being accomplished professional and... Just you is, is, I think, so inspirational to everyone. And kind of an envious lifestyle. I'd say. There are a lot of people sitting in a tower. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> yeah, well, sitting in a tower in Manhattan wishes they were outside, right? But not when it's 30 blows right. away. Right. Exactly, exactly. Go ahead, let them come on out when it's minus 30 blows away. <laughs> yeah. You'll be taking volunteers then, right? Come on down. Come on down. (laughs) Absolutely. Or or at least come and watch so you understand it. You know, I don't expect them to come and do the work. 
sure it takes the right kind of person to do that deal, but man, come and watch. Right come on. and watch, learn and understand. Yep. Well, Jerry, I'm especially happy that you're such a strong supporter of ranching and women in agriculture. It sounds like such a rewarding profession and so many, oh, you know, just being in nature and being with horses and cattle and everything sounds so appealing to me. Especially sitting up here in a yeah. mountain home with oh. nothing but trees around us. I know. And not the a animals right. sound great. Yeah. No animals. Yeah. Well, squirrels. The squirrels. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But now I need to let everyone know, if you'd like to know more about Jerry Schumacher, we will have links for her under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about her and connect with her on social media. And please check out her website. And if you need a bull, you know who to call. Yeah, we know who to call. <laughs> yep, bull or cow, herd improvement, you know where I'm at. Okay, okay. great. Thank, Thank you. you, Jerry. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Rod and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. And all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free. And we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day.